Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 states, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Uh, Pastor Matt, how do you believe that church offices can help us build or help us build the body to attain unity, as this verse says? Yeah, well, I think the I think the passage is talking about um, playing your spot well. And what you're seeing here is uh, what Paul would say in other places are, um, well, First Corinthians 12 in particular, are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, right? A variety of callings, but the same Lord. And so I think what you're seeing in this list is um, not just that if you have these, you get unity, but rather if people will fulfill their callings and stay in their lane and let other people stay in their lane. And then you get, you get the body being the body, which is going to be more of how he talks in the first Corinthians passage, then unity happens. Like here, here's what I would say. I would be a poor version of you. If I tried to be Josh, or if Josh tried to be me, or if TJ tried to be Josh or Matt, then all of us are a poor version of the other person. But if the other person is, if, if you're Josh and I'm me and TJ's TJ and we're each operating our gifts, well then, man, I'm, I can cheer you on now, man. You're not <laughs> any kind of threat for me. I'm not looking at you going, oh, I wish I could do that. I'm, I'm fulfilling my own identity, my own purpose, my own calling. And, and that allows me to be your biggest fan and for you to be my biggest fan and for us to cheer each other on towards this same Lord, same baptism, same kingdom. And so I think that's what's happening in that passage. I think the greater part of the passage isn't so much the offices, although you see apostle there, right? But, but rather, if you'll, if you'll live into what God has for you and I'll live into what God has me, unity happens. But if I try to be you or you try to be me, then now all of a sudden I'm threatened by you and you're threatened by me. And, and we can't be for one another in the way we can if we're actually living into our giftings. And, you know, whether you're taking the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or trying to understand what gifts you have for the world, I think what Paul was trying to say in that verse is that, you know, we are diverse people. Not one person is alike. We all have gifts. And how can we all pull together to use those gifts as a team uh, in the world? Um, I love that line, equipping the saints. So we're all called to equip one another by saints. They don't just mean those who are really, really, really uh good or behave the best in their midst by saints they meant the baptized christians the disciples in their midst called to to follow jesus together and so how are we equipping and feeding one another and and holding each other accountable to be the um to be the person to be the disciple jesus is calling us to be so it takes a whole host of of gifts and different people uh, to help pull that off do you believe understanding how some of these other offices work in different churches can help us attain unity together? Yeah, I think whenever you say any kind of term, um, it's, it's best to ask what you mean by that term. Even when someone says, do you believe in God? I'm like, well, how do you define God? Uh, and then let's let's go from there. Or they're like, hey, Pastor Will, what does the word pastor mean? It's like, well, this is how we see it in our congregation. I mean, I walk around... Um, when I visit people in the hospital or I do weddings and funerals, I wear a clerical call, a little white tab by my neck. And a lot of people, when they see me in public with that on, they immediately call me Father Will or think I'm a priest because that's the stereotype of like a Catholic priest is wearing that clerical collar or white tab by, by their neck. Um, they don't know that Lutherans wear that too, that Methodists wear that too, Presbyterians uh, wear that as well. So. Yeah, I think us understanding how we govern and um, and oversee our communities of faith is a big part of, of how we can be um, unified and understand how each other function. Because, man, we there may be some terms or, or functions that just are inefficient and, and we can we can evolve. We can grow. We can we can drop it and use something else if there's something that's done better. So we can always learn from each other.
Hey everyone, this is the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll, here with your other co-host, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Hello, hello. And this is the first time we've ever done a series like this. So we're going to kick it off with a discussion on which offices females can hold in different churches. Um, This is just to help frame our conversation when we talk about the individual offices later on. Right. And we wanted to give a special shout out to our patrons, Austin, Russell, Sandra, Lily, Jeannie, Aaron, Justin, Freda, Taryn and Dawn. So um, as I said, we're going to be talking about uh, female leadership in the church. Um, and, and to clarify, we're not discussing whether or not we can have unity with any specific denomination throughout this series. We have done all of those. You can go back and hear those episodes. Um, and when you listen to today, there's going to be two different sides represented on whether or not females can be ordained to the priesthood. And um, the conversation isn't are women equal? Uh, we just wouldn't even bother having that conversation. The answer is yes. Other answers are wrong. Um, but it's a little bit more nuanced, as hopefully you'll see once we go through some of these clips. Um, but we're going to do a series of silly questions with all of this centered around the movie Barnyard. And uh, today's we're, we're going to start. And, and I'm, I, I really am curious about TJ's answer. If. The animals from Barnyard, TJ, if they formed their own church, what denomination do you think they'd be? Uh, Probably Lutheran. (laughs) I will not elaborate. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I actually will elaborate. So basically, if you've seen the movie, uh, then you know the animals don't really have exposure to religion except for one. Uh, it's when they order pizza and pretend to be humans. And mm-hmm. when they ask, you know, they're talking to the delivery guy. And I don't even remember the question they ask him. Uh, but his answer is, um, I'm a Luther. <laughs> oh, man, I I think I think that might just be a correct answer. I don't think I can debate you on this because that is a direct reference in the movie. Also, if you didn't know, watching the movie Barnyard is a prerequisite to the church office series that we're doing here. Right. Yeah. So do you have an answer? Yeah, you're right. Lutheran. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So we're going to play these clips and I just want to talk about some things that stuck out to me and really... You know, it's it's crazy to me. Uh, we'll hear actually Will Rose helped us out on this one. And you'll hear when he talks to his guest uh, that we still live in a world where people will see a woman with a collar and say, oh, she's not actually ordained. She just thinks she's a priest. And uh, that really was crazy to me. Uh, another thing is most denominations are willing to what's the word respect uh, a an ordained female pastor from another denomination but not in the context of their service yeah yeah and it stood out to me too the difference of ordained to the sacraments and ordained to preaching as uh, you know we both grew up pentecostal so that wasn't really a yeah ordained that was something ordained, we recognized maybe. Yeah. (laughs) For today's episode, like TJ said, Pastor Will Rose volunteered to help us uh, interview another Lutheran pastor, Pastor Jennifer. Here's some of her story. Hello, folks. I am super stoked that I am able to help out with this whole church series on church offices. And by church offices, I'm not necessarily talking about my business office that is super messy with books and sticky notes everywhere, but rather we're talking about those leadership positions within the church that help serve to pull it together and to ideally be more efficient in our mission of the gospel. I am Will Rose. I am a Lutheran pastor within the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Uh, My parish is Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Chapel Hill, and I'm joined with a friend and colleague of mine. And so I'm excited to 
get her opinion and talk about her and her call story and her ministry. Uh, she has many gifts and can't wait to hear about them. So Jennifer, who are you and what do you do? I'm Jennifer Shimoda. I am also a pastor in the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. I currently serve at um, Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary of Lenore Ryan University in Columbia, South Carolina. I live and work on this campus. It's a beloved place for me. Um, I'm a graduate of here, and now I serve here as um, the admissions and enrollment director. Jennifer, if you could give us your call story within two minutes. What is your call story? Um, I know it's hard. You could write a whole book. We could do a whole series on call stories and, and God working in our lives and calling us to ministry. But, but if you could do your call story in two minutes, what would that sound like? Well, it would have to start with uh, my dad was ordained as a Lutheran pastor when I was four or five years old. And then we moved. Um, his first call was to be a missionary in Madagascar. So my family moved when I was a kid to Madagascar. And then when we came back to the U.S., we were mostly on the West Coast. Um, and so I lived in that space and watched a good, faithful man um, serve in the church. Mm-hmm. And then in college, I was pretty sure I was going to go to seminary. And my very wise professor, Dr. Jack Ledbetter, um, uh, I told him I probably need to be a religion major in order to go to seminary. And he said, no, 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 you don't. And you're really good at English. (laughs) And you always keep taking these English courses whenever you have an option for an elective. So you can go to seminary with any degree, which I did not know. And so I was an English major and I did not go straight to seminary, not till I was um, two careers deep. I had been a church musician first, Mm. and then I was a high school English teacher for a decade. And then when I was 38, I came to seminary. Um, And then I was here um, at Southern Seminary um, as a student until 2012. And then in 2013, I was ordained um, at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in High Point, North Carolina. And I served there for six years. And then a couple of years ago, um, I answered this call to come work Uh, back at the seminary that I love doing um, discerning with people and uh, helping them with the actual, just the function of admissions and enrollment and financial aid, but also just the conversations about, you know, is this a call? Um, Is it heartburn? (laughs) What's, you know, what's, uh, what's God doing and what is this strange warming in my heart? Um, Did I eat too many uh, chicken wings or is it the Holy spirit working with him? It's a treat to answer this phone and have those conversations with people. It's really, that's, so that's where I am. That's how I got here. Cool. Yeah. And I didn't know, um, I knew you were an English teacher. I did not know you were a church musician there for a while. So that's pretty cool. For about a decade. Yeah. First. Okay. Yeah. And so within the church, capital C, and within Christendom, there's uh, a diversity of interpretations and opinions when it comes to women in ministry and ordained ministry. And so what has your experience been as a woman who is ordained within our denomination of the ELCA? What support have you had in that or or lack of support uh, within that dynamic of being a woman called to ordain ministry within the ELCA? Well, I know that women in the ELCA, um, we are um, we are ordained and called, and also it takes us longer to get a call generally out of seminary or in another moment of transition in our lives. It, it takes more interviews or more time. Um, I know that's true. But I got to give a shout out to my North Carolina Synod um, bishop and staff. In the last several years, they've been working intentionally and lifting up women in ministry and um, providing space for um, real leadership um, calls to senior pastors and large congregations and things that just really haven't been open before, um, whether not open officially or just not open because it just doesn't happen. You just don't get those calls. So, um, 
so my I've only ever been rostered in North Carolina and they're working really hard at lifting up women in ministry. So um, it, my personal experience has been quite positive, but I know that that's not um, always the case for all women, even in the ELCA, um, but certainly across the board. But my personal experience has been um, I have felt um, respected and valued and um, not, you know, um, had the door shut in my face. So that's great. Right. And, and we just we just had an anniversary within the the ELCA as well. How long have women been ordained within our church? Well, church? this year yeah. is going to be 52. Um, right. Yeah. This year will be. Yeah, so women have been um, ordained uh, within the ELCA, uh, this particular brand of Lutheranism for for 50 years. And it's taken that it's taken a long time. It's been a long road in terms of acceptance, of welcoming, um, having more and more doors opened, more glass ceilings broken, those those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And and I I am proud of our our synod. When we say synod, that's kind of the structure of North Carolina. We have a bishop that oversees uh, a group of churches within North Carolina. Carolina and our particular synod has been very um, supportive and lifted up since the 50th anniversary of the ordination of women within our church to say, hey, there, we have a long way to go. We've come a long way. We still have a long way to go. And how can we support women mm-hmm. in ministry? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so you, you feel supportive within our own church tradition denomination. What has um, your experience been? as you rub shoulders with or come in contact with denominations, Christian traditions who don't necessarily support the ordination of women? Um, I, I gotta tell you again, um, I, when I was serving as a pastor in High Point, North Carolina, I was, you know, an ELCA pastor. uh, But whenever we did um, ecumenical work throughout the, the community when we would have an interfaith prayer service at the Catholic church. Um, I, I had an incredible experience with those people. Just um, Mm -hmm. there was no way they ever would have been ordaining me as a Catholic priest, but um, I, uh, I worked with them really on what felt like very respectful, almost equal ground. I remember one time I was um, in the Catholic church there. We were planning um, a prayer service. I think it was maybe national day of prayer. Um, Mm. And um, they, the Catholic deacon um, asked that I be the one that opened and that invoked the spirit at the beginning of the service and sent people forth at the end of the service that I would be the bookends for. Um, yeah. And that was just a real, um, it was a gift. And, and he was explicit that he said, you know, there's, you're a woman, you're a Lutheran, you're a Protestant and here you're in our house. So we want to make sure, um, that we speak of real unity, not just, um, you know, uh, performative. So anyway, I personally have had really some powerful experiences with that. I've also had people, uh, when I wear my collar in public, I don't really know where they come from. Right. I don't actually know them, but there have been people who have just sort of laughed at me or, um, you know, said to said to whoever they're with, um, she thinks she's a pastor or whatever, you know, um, wow. be, yeah, those things happen, but they, in my personal life, and I don't want to say that I'm representing, um, all women at all, because I mean, it's across the board. Um, we live in a misogynistic world and the church is far from an exception and sometimes a terrible example of it. And mm-hmm. so I'm just saying in my own, um, six years of parish ministry and in my call here, um, I've had some really remarkable relationships and experiences. Um, I I also, I read an article once and I'm not going to be able to quote you where, but somebody um, said, asked those of us who are women who are ordained uh, women, ordained women in traditions that of course ordain women, please wear your collar in public. And I hardly ever wear my collar unless I'm presiding over a service or something or visiting someone in the hospital. And Mm -hmm. 
she went on to say, the more we see you in the grocery store and the gas station and, you know, buying a pair of shoes, the more you normalize it. And the, and um, we, we need you out there at the <laughs> pumping your gas in your collar so people see women in, in collars. And so it's been actually a Lenten practice of mine a few different years to wear it mm. every day during Lent so that I can... Um, it's not my practice <laughs> to wear it all the time, right? But if it's a public witness of that, some denominations do ordain women, and you know, then I want to be a part of that. Yeah, that's um, you know my my experience. Lutherans wear clerical collars, priestly collars. We look like priests walking around. We we usually call uh, the ordained within the Lutheran Church pastors rather than priests. But but um, we we serve or deacons. Yeah, we serve. Um, as priests as, as well, you know, but, but in terms of like going to visit someone in the hospital or out in public, if I'm wearing my collar, uh, there will be some who will be like, uh, father, could, could I get your help or hello father? They'll, they'll address me as, cause there's that stereotypical that the Catholic priest is the only one who wears the collar. Like, oh yeah. And I usually let it slide, but I can only imagine as a woman, like is, how they're ordaining priests within the Catholic church now. And you're like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a little different. I'm not a part of that tradition. I'm a, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a Lutheran or Sometimes I'm a Episcopalian people, <laughs> or Presbyterian. Sometimes people <laughs> in public will um, call me sister because they don't know what to do. Right. Because right. they see, okay, she's a woman. She's wearing a collar. Is she a nun? I don't know. We asked Sister Rose of the Catholic Campus Ministry at UNCW in North Carolina, Wilmington, what it means to be a nun. Okay, I think the best way to understand this is we are all, by virtue of our baptism, we share in the body of Christ. We, and we each have a vocation. Those of, some of us have a vocation to the, the, the priesthood, for example. Some of us have a vocation to the married life. Some of us have a vocation to the single life. And some of, them ha- of us have a vocation to the consecrated life. So I would say as a binary within the church, we have those who are ordained clerics and those who are lay people. And from those two um, states of life, there are those who are called to religious life or a consecrated life. And that's where you find religious sisters and brothers, monks and nuns. Why, why does the Catholic Church not allow women to be ordained? Well, uh, that's that's a very good question. Um, I think if you need, we go back to scripture and we see that Jesus calls upon Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church. Um, we have a very particular understanding of that apostolic succession. And so um, the the. I guess the easiest answer to that question is that the question was raised and the Holy Father said that the church does not have the authority to ordain women because women do not uh, fulfill the persona Christi as it is understood within the Catholic Church. When you say persona Christi, that is um, to act the in person the person of Christ, Christ. like the represent. Yeah, specifically okay. in in with in terms of the sacramental life of the church. Okay, we interviewed um, an Anglican priest for mm-hmm. for part of this, and mm-hmm. in his tradition, women can't be ordained like priest or deacons, but that doesn't prevent them from preaching or teaching because you don't have to be ordained to do either of those things. Is that similar in the Catholic tradition? Okay, so within the Catholic Church. Uh, it is the office of the deacon and the priest, the bishop and the pope, of course, um, to proclaim the word. And specifically, that means within the context of the sacrament of the Eucharist. OK, so obviously there are women who are theologians and women who are teachers and te- women who are catechists. But within the context of our liturgy, the um the the, the, uh, the the ministry of preaching the word is reserved for the ordained minister. Okay. So teaching and theologian, you can be a teacher, you can be a theologian, but not mm-hmm. necessarily a preacher or a priest, basically. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. We also asked 
Reverend Steve Longclough, what his views on women ordination are. Yeah, that's a, that's another great question and a big can of worms. So <laughs> let's, let's, let's rip that <laughs> one. I'll, I'll, let's rip that one open. Like you would rip a bandaid off. Right. Uh, so, um, within, uh, let me speak more broadly with, within the Anglican church in North America, which is, which is what I'm a part of. Uh, there is an ongoing conversation on the function of, uh, or, or the roles of women in these ordained offices. Uh, the ACNA has decided that there's going to be a moratorium on ordination or, or on consecrating women to the episcopacy. That is, we do not allow for women bishops. Um, most of the bishops also do not ordain women to the priesthood, though a handful do. It's pretty regular, though, huh. within diaconal ministry that women are allowed to be ordained as deacons or, or they are welcome to, to, uh, to, to pursue ministry as deacons. Now, within even that, there's conversation on what that means because there are some groups like the Reformed Episcopal Church, uh, which is a group that, that I was a part of for a while. Uh, the Reformed Episcopal Church, which is part of the ACNA, has the offices or, uh, of, uh, of deaconesses, but it's a lay office huh. because uh, the Reformed Episcopal Church does not ordain women to any of the three offices, but they still follow scripture, for example, with like Phoebe, the deaconess. Uh, and, and for them, it's uh, the deaconess is not an ordained order of deacon. Rather, it is a lay order for females uh, to serve in a special way, to serve the needs of the church in a special way. And so they are. Uh, commissioned and professed uh, by their bishop, and they carry the blessing of their bishop to serve in that special way. Other churches, and I would say more broadly within the ACNA, uh, they do allow uh, women to to be ordained uh, uh, into the diaconate. So, okay. with, with women's ordination and how how we oftentimes speak past each other, I. I think that was your question, right? Like, like when we're talking about the women's yeah. ordination question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I remember in seminary is on my first or second semester in seminary. Um, I'm thinking with my Anglican mind and I'm talking to some of my Baptist friends. Uh, now with Anglican ministry, it is both word and sacrament. So there's this whole sacramental aspect of being a minister in the Anglican church. With the Baptist Church, they though they do have sacraments, that's certainly not emphasized within uh, Baptist ecclesiology. Um, it's mostly teaching and preaching ministries. I mean, in, in, in the Baptist minister is oftentimes even called the preacher, right? I'm, I'm going to go here preaching or uh -huh. sometimes refer to your Baptist pastor as a preacher, whereas that's not usually how you refer to Anglican ministries, not usually refer to them as preachers, though we do preach. Uh, but it's 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 a lot more than than only preaching. And in fact, a lot of <laughs> and I'll own this as an Anglican. A lot of Anglican ministers are pretty lousy preachers, unfortunately. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, the Baptists definitely have his beat there. Um, uh, but so when, when I was talking with my Baptist friends about ministry, the is issue of women's ordination came up and they asked me, do you allow women in your church to teach? They were thinking, do you, do you ordain women in your church? Because the people at the Baptist church who, who do the bulk of the teaching are the pastors. So they're thinking, do you allow women to be pastors in your church? But, but the way the question was framed is, are women allowed to teach in your church? So my response was, well, yeah, <laughs> uh, you can have lay, lay women teach. Yeah. You can have lay women lead Bible studies. You can have women who, who are uh, gifted in uh, great gifts of knowledge and, and go on to pursue PhDs and become professors at universities. Of course. Yeah. Women can, women can absolutely be teachers and gifted and great teachers in the Anglican church. Um, but that's a different question than uh, do you ordain women to the priesthood in your church? Right. So there's a liturgical function when it comes to priesthood ministry um, that, that, Depending on the Anglican you asked, and since you're asking me, I'll, I'll give you my view without getting into it too much because we just don't don't have time to, <laughs> to, to investigate yeah. all the little nooks and crannies. Um, I I believe the priesthood is reserved for for men for males. I believe in a male only priesthood, um, but that does not exclude women from a, a teaching function in the church, right? Because, like I said, there's all different avenues to pursue teaching and serving. 
Uh, but but because the priesthood is is also geared towards sacramental ministry, that's why we reserve the the sacramental aspect of ministry for males. Okay, um, you said you you were okay with women being teachers, um, mm-hmm. since pastor is also a function and not an ordination. Would you allow, or would you be comfortable with a woman serving as pastor? So I think functionally, even at a lot of churches that, that don't ordain women to the pastorate, uh, which again, Anglicans don't think about pastor as an ordained office, but the, the churches that yeah. do think about pastoring as, or as an ordained office, uh, like some, some charismatic Pentecostal churches, um, and some, some Baptist churches that I know of, they, they functionally still have women pastors, even if they don't call them pastors, they call them children's ministers. Yeah. They call them youth ministers. They call them college ministers. Now wh- what they are doing is functionally pastoring the group of the people that they have been given charge for. They are shepherding those folks. And so, yeah, I mean, if, if we frame it that way, then women are pastoring people in, in our churches. Yeah. But that's, so that, that's why it's important. I, I think when we have this conversation to make these fine distinctions between pastor being an ordained office versus priesthood being an ordained office, because where, 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 where Anglicans get excited is, is, is the, the sacramental aspects of ministry, you know, baptism, the Lord's supper and all, and, and all that. So, so we would say, yeah, women can functionally serve as shepherds in their community, um, either through children's ministry or through uh, youth ministry or something like that. But when it comes to consecrating communion, right, uh, Eucharistic ministry, uh, that that is for the priesthood and that is for the the elders, the the, the presbyters of the church. Which, which, in my view, should should be uh, men. This is Keno Kennedy, pastor of Union Bethel AME Zion Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Are women allowed to be deacons or elders in your church, or is, are they held to the position of lay people? No, no. So, so in our church. We uh, women are allowed and are, are encouraged to be ordained um, clergy in our church. We have we've we have a, a female bishop. Um, funny enough, the Amy Zion, I can't remember her name, but the Amy Zion Church ordained the first woman, black woman ever in the United States. I can't remember her name, but she came out the Amy Zion Church. Um, nice. And, and so, yeah, so we we don't we don't <laughs> we do not say women should be quiet in the church. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We have female okay. pastors. We have female. We have female presiding elders. We have fe- we have one female bishop. See, I asked because um, some of the other people we talked to, they their churches allow women in certain positions, but not in the positions that provide the sacraments. Right. So that's why I was just curious since you brought it up. No, 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 no. So, so if you are, if you are, and if you're a male or female, it doesn't matter. If you are an ordained elder or deacon in our church, you, you can, like I said, the elder can consecrate the elements and serve them. The deacons cannot consecrate, but they can serve them, but they can be a woman or a man in our church. Yeah. Um, yeah for, yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like if, if that, if they'd be like, well, women shouldn't be. Okay. So that means that we should be in catfish. We shouldn't be eating um, <laughs> shelf, shrimp, any of that stuff. So I'm like, yo, you can't. That that's 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 squashing the move of the spirit of God. So we're saying that God can only use men. That's not true because God used men and women. There there were men and women prophets. There were men. Paul said of Phoebe that I, I she is just as I am. So so th- no, you can't you can't you can't do that. So with this, I, I do find it interesting the the different stances some of these churches take. Um, specifically, talking about the um, I don't remember remember the the phrase that Sister Rose used, but um, the person of Christ and how you're kind of symbolizing Christ in the service through the sacraments, and that's why for some of these churches it's such a big deal that a man 
be the priest, the man be ordained because he's acting as Christ in the service as a representative. It would be very much like a woman playing Peter Parker in a Spider-Man movie. A lot of people would take issue with that. I mean, there'd probably be, be a debate still, but uh, I mean, the fact is his name's Peter, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Um, wh- what did you take from that? Did the, did that come off as specifically important to you? I mean, neither of us grew up with that kind of liturgy. So did that kind of surprise you that that representing Christ was such a big part of their discussion with this? Right. Well, it definitely made it make more sense to me, which, you know, you kind of helped me understand the issue. Yeah. It's nice to hear. Yeah. And, And of course there is that discussion of whether women can teach men or not. We've had that discussion twice on our show early on, um, I'll drop a link in the show notes. They'll have um, a playlist of all the different discussions we've had about female ordination from that perspective. Um, But I found it more interesting here, that specific thing of, uh, especially with um, Reverend Lonclow, where he's talking about how, yeah, teach, preach, that's fine. But giving the sacraments, that was the line for him. And that was something that I just never even occurred to me because it's never really been a big deal in our church. So seeing how these different churches view this office differently, uh, what can we say about female ordination that's true across the board? Um, it seems to me that even the churches that are like, yeah, a woman can't be a pastor. A woman shouldn't be the leader of men. Um, everyone seems to be okay with women teaching, women playing a significant role of some sort. Um, you know, the Catholic Church won't let women give the homily. But... Sister Rose still plays a really important role of leadership in her own organization there. So I think that idea of uplifting women, making sure they're playing an important role, regardless of how this particular discussion falls, because sacramental issues are difficult. I don't think we're going to solve them overnight, but I do think it's important that we value women and put them in some position of leadership. What about you? Uh, yep, you got it. Not a whole lot else to say there for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So what would be some clues um, whether or not you're called to ordination just in general? Oh, just um, in general. Yeah. Right. Well, I was going to say for female ordination, if you are female, that's pretty important, but... Uh, otherwise, uh, I feel like if you feel yourself as being called to lead or called to help uh, a large group or, you know, just multiple people, large number of people, uh, that is kind of like, you know, the call to be the leader, to be the shepherd, something you might want to seek out is ordination. Yeah. Uh, if you're um, comfortable in a church, you know teaching people things and dealing with their issues. You might want to seek out ordination. Yeah. And and as we'll see throughout the series, there's other types of ordination too. I mean, if you feel um, specifically called to serve others and to do that in the name of the church, um, you know, that's a lot of churches. That's what the Dean does. Um, So let me word it this way, TJ. If, if someone listening is a female, and they feel called to ordination. And I'm going to make this really specific. And they're going to a church that does not ordain women. Uh, what would your advice be to them? Uh, well, I, I think it's time to take a good hard look at yourself and your position and determine if you think your calling to ordination is a true calling. And if it is, it may be time to leave that church or have a good long talk with your head pastor. Yeah. We, we talk a lot on the show about uh, the three tier of importance where we're talking about the first tier issues being that of salvation. Second tier, we can't go to the same church. Third tier, we can disagree in the same congregation. Um, I'd say that if you're a woman and you're listening, you feel like 
you're being called to ministry, but your church does not allow for ordination. Um, first, I would say really seek out the scripture, talk to your pastor and discuss why you disagree with him about female ordination. And if you come away with, hey, we'd still disagree fundamentally, even after you studied the scripture, I think that makes it a second tier issue. And it's probably a good idea to search for somewhere that is going to foster your calling. And um, I'd be willing to bet your pastor would allow you to leave peacefully and there probably wouldn't be any bad blood over it. Right. So how can this office specifically function to help better maintain church unity? Hmm. I, I think seeing diversity in the ordination allows more people to feel represented and it allows more people to feel united. Um, whether or not you're, it's an ordained woman, I should say, um, you know, if, even if, you know, you go to a Baptist church that is complementarianism and, you know, they don't believe in females being ordained to be a pastor or anything like that. I think it's important to see women in leadership there still so that those in the church can recognize that they are being represented because I think representation is an important part of unity. You know, if I went to a church every week and there was no men in leadership, I would have a really hard time feeling like they value my opinion. And that would make it harder for me to be united to the overall congregation. That's my thought. Not saying that's true. Just my first thought. What do right. you think, DJ? Yeah, I think, you know, especially in a world that we live in today, uh, when you see that there are no women in any organization's leadership, uh, it's kind of a red flag for a lot of people. So, yeah, female ordination <laughs> that is true. not exempt. We also asked, we asked our guests today how they could serve with people who disagreed with them over this topic. If, you know, a denomination that did ordain women reached out mm -hmm. and they happen to have a woman priest at that church and they wanted to work together with you and your church on something, would there be allowance for collaboration for something like a food bank, for example? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm on the Interfaith Council um, here in Wilmington. Um, I work with a group of, of Protestant ministers, uh, men and women, um, rabbis, imams, and so forth. Um, you know, we were organized when there was so much violence, so we wanted to be a united voice against the violence uh, that was taking place in the streets. Um, there are many ecumenical ministries, such as the Good Shepherd. Um, for years, I sat on their board, um, and it was a homeless shelter. So there's a lot of collaboration among churches um, in terms of service and outreach. Uh, we have also collaborated on coming together for prayer services, for example. But I would say to you that if you're speaking about our liturgy, all right, then again, it would be uh, a Catholic minister who would proclaim the word, who would preach on the word. Gotcha. So would it be correct to say then that you would be able to see a, yeah, let's just say, an Anglican woman priest, because if I guess that's not a thing, a Methodist priest who happens to be a woman, mm -hmm. um, you'd be able to see her as a fellow Christian, but not necessarily as an ordained priest because you're of a different tradition, basically. Well, what I, I would recognize that she is a priest, I would have, um, you know, I have great appreciation and respect for the for the various denominations and the leadership. Um, what I'm simply saying is that within our, our church, when we have a mass, for example, the word could even be, you know, the readings could be done by people from other denominations. But if there's actually a homily being given, it's being given by an ordained Catholic minister is what I'm saying. Gotcha. Okay. That's the, that's, I would say that's kind of the limiting factor. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But you know, in terms of any kind of interfaith or ecumenical work, there's a lot of collaboration that takes place. That was Sister Rose at the Catholic Campus Ministries.
This is more from Pastor Jennifer about her experience being a female pastor. Um, so as an ordained woman within the church, you preside over the sacraments, mm -hmm. uh, you preach and teach, you have that authority to shepherd uh, a congregation uh, and guide and lead them, whether that's a parish or a, or a specific ministry like campus ministry or within the seminary, those kinds of, of things. Um, how how do we, you know, or, or how do you, uh, how do we as a church create or maintain unity with those who disagree um, with us on the ordination of women? Um, I, I fully see you as an ordained colleague who presides over the sacraments. You've preached and taught and uh, presided over sacraments at my church. Right. And, <laughs> and so, uh, but but how do we do that with others who, and it's a longer, I guess, it's not an easy, tweetable answer to this, but as we reflect on it, how do we maintain with those who perhaps disagree uh, or look down upon your ordination? So there's grace for that, right? There's mm. just, um, uh, if we know what we've been taught. So if you've been taught and raised in a tradition um, or converted to a tradition that says women are not fit, I guess is the word for, they're just not called. God just doesn't call women to ministry. Mm -hmm. Then that's where you sit. That's your space. And I, um, I just want to love you in that space <laughs> and also exist in a different, I mean, I, here I am, mm. right? I, I, I am called to ministry and I am serving Christ's church and your, um, you not acknowledging it doesn't make it not true. So right. I, I, that's how I exist in those spaces. But also, um, if I am combative um, about it in, in a space where not everyone agrees, then I just distance myself from it. There's no, there's not going to be true unity um, uh, and learning if I, uh, mm. if I just go in and say, well, you know, I dismiss you because you've dismissed me, I guess. Right. Um, and so I I just really, I would, uh, I hope, and I would ask Spirit to off, to provide for me oceans of grace to pour out in a situation like that. Um, because that's what, if my, if my hope is to change a heart, that's how you change it. So, yeah, it's done up close. It's yeah. done within relationships. And, and yeah, as, as we alluded to within our own Senate, within our own denomination, there's still churches who'd be like, nope, we, we refuse to call, um, uh, a female pastor mm -hmm. into this space. And, and so, yeah, but, but Jennifer has been called by a church, by a denomination, by Lutheran Theological Southern Seminary to yeah. serve in that space. Um, so, so her call is authoritative within that space. So how do we navigate the spaces that don't do that? Then there's relationships and dialogue, and there may be times when we agree to disagree and see what God's spirit will do in the midst of those things, right? Um, so yeah, hypothetically, say say uh, a church reached out to you to work together on say a food drive for um, a project within the city or your neighborhood, and that particular church doesn't recognize uh, the ordination of women, but yet your church says, how would you know, again, how would you navigate that space? What does that look like? Um, how does that sit with you? Uh, well, I would, I would absolutely participate. I don't, I would not, um, uh, reject the invitation because we don't agree on women's ordination. It kind of depends on what would be happening. If we're, uh, if we're doing a food drive, we can all, we can all just feed the hungry, right? We can, we can all do that. If we're, <laughs> if we're um, putting together a worship service and there's going to be preaching and presiding and um, someone dismisses my authority or, um, or ability um, to, to preach the word or to administer the meal, then I'm going to be in a space where I'm, I would um, bring it up and say, which, you know, we're planning this. So, hmm. uh, which part will each of us do? Right. 
But if we're really, truly just serving our community in the name of Jesus, um, you know, I guess that feels a little bit uh, uh, when you work uh, across denominations in anything, right? Not uh, if I'm working with maybe a Baptist pastor, if we sat down and talked about our theology of baptism, we would probably disagree. Right. But but not if we're just we don't disagree that uh, the way that God loves the world is showing up and being present in the person of Jesus and in a sandwich and in <laughs> whatever. So, <laughs> I don't, so yeah, so um, it depends upon what the purpose of the event is if, mm-hmm. and how, how we're going to live it out. And if, if, if the optics are that the women in the room are dismissed, then we'll have to talk. Um, but if right. the optics, if, if that's not the issue at hand, um, if it's God loves the world and that includes you and you're hungry, so here's food, um, I'm in. Yeah, there's larger and longer conversations that go along with it. It's like, we're going to be in this project. And and that's kind of the fun, neat thing that God does in the midst of those things is that oh, there's a project, there's a mutual understanding that there's a problem or a project that needs to, to unfold or solve and, and how can we work together. And yeah, guess what? There's going to be all kinds of ways we disagree or vote differently or interpret differently within the scriptures. But, but as you get to know each other, wow, how our worlds and relationships can expand in the midst of that. Yeah, um, it happens here in the seminary all the time. Um, we have, we're an ecumenical seminary. Um, we have a Lutheran in the name, but we have Baptists and United Methodists and Episcopalians and Presbyterians here. Um, and AME Zion, we have a lot of different denominations mm-hmm. all in the same let's say worship class or theology class or you know christian history class pastoral care so all of those voices are present so in in these formative um classrooms the discussion um i don't know if everyone in every classroom thinks women should be ordained i I don't know um but uh here we are uh, forming women for ministry <laughs> in this mm-hmm. in the very same space that someone who might disagree is being formed. So um, we actually have more women than men in our student body. Um, oh, interesting. And so that's and that's across the denominations. That's not just um, only in the Lutheran um, in the Lutheran column. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, um, we we around here um, have. Well, our rector and dean is a woman, <laughs> and mm-hmm. Reverend Dr. Mary Hinkle Shore is our um, rector and dean, and she's the lead of our seminary. Um, so, around here, where um, women are leaders, um, and we form we form people for that. Yeah, Dr. Shore was um, uh, a professor at uh, a seminary, and then became a past parish pastor in Bavard, North Carolina, and then mm-hmm. called to serve as the Dean of, um, uh, of Lutheran theological Southern seminary. So this call is a very great example of those offices and positions and yep. structures that are held and where we're called to and how to use our gifts in the midst of that. So, yep. um, pastor Jennifer, I appreciate you appreciate your gifts and thanks for this conversation and, and we'll keep it going um, as we move forward, as we seek to, bring unity to the church. So what are our actions this week that people can take to better maintain unity concerning this church office? Um, concerning female ordination, I would say the number one thing is to study the other side well. You know, um, if you've always known female pastors, there's a strong chance that you just think it's offensive that some people wouldn't let female in that position. And you think that they're being sexist and saying women aren't good enough. And that's not typically that's not the case in any good church. That's not the case. It's more of a doctrinal issue. It's more of a, does this fulfill the role of representing Christ? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and if you're on the other side and you've 
don't believe in female ordination at all, you meet someone like Pastor Jennifer, we t- Pastor we'll talk to this week, who is a female pastor, really understanding their position, I think, will help you respect them better. Not that you don't respect them now, but I think it'll help you respect them better. And that always helps with unity. Right. And what would be the ramifications in the world if we all did that? Well, I think it would start in and move out. Um, It would start with the church being more understanding towards each other. And, uh, you know, the Bible says, Jesus says, they will know you by your love for one another. They'll know my disciples. So once we understand one another, then we can love one another. Then the world will see us as Christ's disciples. And I think that makes us, the church, just a little bit more appealing to the world. Um, What would you say? to the same question. How, what would it change? Yeah. Well, I think it would help engender a sense of unity. Yeah. Laugh track. Yeah. Because you said gender. <laughs> Funny. But uh, I, I do think it would help, you know, build that sense of unity, uh, get people away from each other's throats. You know? Yeah. Simple stuff. Yeah. It's it's real easy to get so stuck in your own bubble that, you know, if you're on one side, you think, wow, they don't even care about representing Christ in the service and they don't even care about Christ is what that means. And it would be really easy on the other side to say, wow, they don't respect women at all. How dare they? You know, this is the 21st century. How can they not allow women in leadership? And if you just don't take the time to understand one another, unity is impossible. Right. So, as always, we are going to do our God moments for this series. Uh, It's just we're going to take a minute to share what has God been doing in our lives recently, uh, whether it's a blessing, a challenge, a moment of worship, anything along those lines. And I always get Josh to go first uh, just because. So, Josh, do you have a God moment for us? I'm going to be sad and um, I'm sorry, everybody. Um, today, uh, the day we're recording this, it's been one month since my grandfather died to the day. And um, I was thinking earlier, I was going to make a post with a picture because it's been a month and I still haven't posted on Facebook. You know, that whole social pressure or everybody is like, I miss him. He was great. And I do. I want everyone to know how great he was. I do. It's just been hard to think about it. And um, I don't really know what to say. So... Yeah, I went to do it, and um, I, I felt that, you know, that still small voice, that whole God moment thing of, hey, it is okay to not be ready. So I didn't post anything. And I'm telling you guys I didn't post anything, and I'm going to post this of me saying that I didn't post anything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, for me, I, I'd have to say, uh, you know, God does some funny things sometimes. And sometimes uh-huh. it's really funny. Uh-huh. So the other day I was leaving work. And so my general <laughs> manager is in a wheelchair. Oh, that's not funny. Which is because, you know, she fell on her knee and broke it, whatever. She had knee surgery. But sometimes her son will come pick her up from work after dropping her off, which this day happened to be around the same time as I was leaving. Uh They park beside the store, not in a parking spot. I park in those parking spots right there on the side of the store. And when I left the store, his truck wasn't there. So naturally, uh, I did not do my normal due diligence uh, when checking if there was something behind me when backing out of a spot. uh, Because there's not supposed to be. So I look to my right and make sure no one's coming and I start backing up and I back straight up into her truck. And man, it was extremely funny, but they aren't materialistic people. And That's I thank good. God for that. Well, I'm slightly know, scared this is going to end and you getting fired. Issue. Yeah, Not yet. That's good. <laughs> so, you know, praise God for that. Amen. But, amen. And amen. And a woman. Uh, so if you enjoyed uh, this episode... Uh, please consider sharing it with a friend or an enemy or your general manager. Uh, you always have <laughs> uh, that choice, and it would help yeah. us a lot. Unless you don't have a manager, then you don't have that choice and should share it with your cousin. 
Um, listen to our other podcast. You, you can. So, ugh, I'm going to start that over. You can listen to our other podcast at systematicecology.org, where TJ, myself, and a few other hosts talk about just geek stuff from a Christian perspective. So definitely check that out. I think it's worth your time. Right. Our next two offices are going to be deacon and pastor. Uh, and after this series has concluded, we're going to have a two week break uh, before getting back to the regular format. And then hopefully it'll be just a, a short amount of time before Francis Chan agrees to be on the show and we can end season one. Yeah. Sure. It'd be great if he agreed to that. It was sure. Francis, would. If you're listening. Come on, man. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week when we discuss the church office of the dean.